Good morning, good morning. How's everybody? If you are here today and you are tired, raise your hand. Sweet. Hey, if you had every intention of going to bed early last night but failed miserably, raise your hand. Yep. And so we sit here and I will try to entertain you. I'm just kidding. Um, so we're in a series called Bold. And we're, in, we're going into week five today, and for the past four weeks, we've, we've looked at a couple things, and, and we've actually, we've gone back and we started in the Old Testament, and we've looked at stories and, and individuals in the Old Testament that uh, there's something that they did that just stood out as they made some bold decision, and, and, and they carried out what God had called them to. And so the first week, we looked at uh, Moses' mother. Um, and how she made a bold decision to protect her son. And even though what seemed like uh, could be her placing a newborn or a baby into a river was actually God's plan to save his nation and bring them out of exile or out of uh, Egypt. And so uh, we learned in week one that giving up when we're following Jesus, giving up is not an option. And we don't put that on the table. The second week we looked at, we looked at Moses again and how he was bold enough to listen to some wise people around him. And by listening to some wise people around him, he made some uh, wise decisions that probably saved him from burnout and saved him from uh, doing some things he shouldn't have done. And so one of the things we learned in that is are we bold enough to listen to the right people? Week three. We talked about that inner voice in us, and, and we looked at the life of, of Gideon, and we saw how in this particular piece that we all have this, uh, this voice that sometimes tells us to stop or tells us uh, that we, uh, tells us to give up, it tells us to quit. And that God says, no, that, that you got to quiet that, that inner coward that's in you. And so we, we talked about that and being bold enough to do that. And then last week, we talked about being bold in the waiting and how when we're bold in the waiting, we uh, need to be bold enough to wait on God and what he does. And so we get into this week and we're talking about, um, and I changed the actual title of this message. The title of this message is being bold enough to choose, being bold enough to choose. And we're going to look at a prophet today. Oh, by the way, I challenge you guys to hold me accountable to a phone call that I needed to make this week, right? I did make the phone call. And um, I learned that that's not where we're supposed to be. <laughs> I learned very quickly that's not what God has for us. Um, for those of you that are new with us, uh, we were, I was, made a phone call to a real estate agent this week. And uh, it's something I've been putting off forever, and I've been putting it off and putting it off, and I had every excuse why I shouldn't do it. And so this week, and actually after the service, I went and counted, last week I went and counted parking spots. And so I counted parking spots, and my kids were in the back of the car, and they're like, what are we doing here? Why? I'm hungry. Can we go eat? I'm like, shh, you're making me lose count. Stop. And so uh, I counted parking spots, and I made a phone call, and I quickly learned that, um, that was not the place where we're supposed to be. Um, when the rent that you pay now is, is the times by four, um, you quickly learn that uh, maybe this is not. And then location. So anyway, 
just so y'all know, I did my part. Um, and so I will boldly wait. I will boldly wait for the right place that God has for us. Amen. And so um, we will not rush into anything, and we will not uh, do that. So, um, yeah, so today we're, we're going into a story, and it's actually one of my favorite stories in Scripture. We're going to talk about Elijah today. In 1 Kings, 1 Kings 18, if you want to go there, uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings 18. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. You can even go on your phones or your apps or whatever you like to use, uh, but it'll be behind us. Um, so Elijah was, was a prophet, and a prophet in the Old Testament was used to deliver a word to, to God's people, or not only God's people, but he would actually use prophets to speak to, to groups of people, to, to people, Israelites, and then also those that were non-Israelites. Um, but this particular story we're going to look at today was about Elijah, and Elijah was tasked to do something very interesting. Uh, he was tasked to to draw, uh, to do something that drew God's people back to him. And, and what was interesting at the time that was going on, uh, we saw the Israelites were dealing with a famine and a drought. And what would happen is anytime something bad would go, go on, they would, uh, the Israelites would do two things. They would either draw close to God and try to get him to fix it, or they would try and they would go and find another God or what they thought was another God and worship it. And so they were, very, they were influenced by a lot of things around them. And if we look at society today, and maybe we even look at our own lives, one of the things that I notice is that a lot of times we are easily influenced by things around us. And one of the things that I think we're very easily uh, influenced by is the masses, uh, could we say that a lot of times when we perceive the masses as being the loudest, a lot of times we draw towards that and we, we, we have the potential to jump on board with the masses because, hey, everyone else is doing it, so why shouldn't I? So this was going on in this particular time, and, and what was going on is there was a god named Baal that they believed uh, that was the god of... Um, he was the, uh, what was he, the god, one of the gods was a fertility, and then he was the one that brought about harvest and, and all of that. And so this particular god, they would want for him to bring down rain and to, to uh, relinquish the, the drought that was going on at, the, at that time. And so he had, Baal, they had priests that, that would serve the, the god Baal. And they would do all kinds of crazy stuff. And some of the crazy things they would do is they would actually, uh, in order to get their God's attention, they would slash their foreheads and let blood flow down from their, their, uh, through their face and all. I mean, it's just, I know y'all are like this, but this is like, this is the way people are. And when they see it and they, they justify it and, oh, we're going to get his attention, whatever. And so this was going on. It actually took place uh, kind of near here. On, I'm going to show you an image. So. That's Mount Carmel, Carmel, if you will. Um, and so I'm standing on top of that, and I'm shooting a picture overlooking Mount Carmel. And if you see the green little place, there's a valley there, a little, and I'll get to there. There's a river that runs through there. Um, you can't see the river because it's blocked by all the greenery there. But on top of this mountain, um, basically, here's what Elijah did. He called out the people. He said, listen, choose today who you will serve. If it's God in heaven, if he is the real God, serve him. If it's Baal and he's the true God, 
serve him. And so he was basically calling people out to make a choice. You need to figure out what you're going to do with your life and who you are going to serve. Stop going back and forth. Stop choosing what's convenient. Stop going with the masses and choose today who you will serve. And he goes, and just to show you who's the real God, let's do this. Let's go up on Mount Carmel, and we'll go up there, and what we'll do is, is the, the, Baal, the priest, uh, uh, Baal, the priest that served Baal, I want you to go and I want you to build an altar. And here's what we're going to do. You take one bull and you sacrifice and put it on the altar. And whoever's got, and, I'll, and Elijah said, I'll take one and put it on my altar. And whoever is the real God will send fire down from heaven and consume the, the sacrifice. So what happens is, is they go up there and 450 priests of Baal go up and they do their thing. And they get, it go, they get going and they start, you know, praying and chanting and they start doing all these things. And, and, and so they, nothing happens. And they, so they pray more and they, they start calling out to Baal and asking him to come down and consume this thing. Nothing happens. And so then they get real drastic. And, and so what's interesting in this story is Elijah. I love Elijah because he's sarcastic. It's like, he hits me right here. He's awesome. He goes, maybe your God's relieving himself and can't hear you. And so they scream louder and, and go into this. And, and, and then he goes, and then they, they start cutting themselves. And then Elijah, like a true smart aleck, would say, maybe he's taking a nap or sleeping. You need to scream. And so they start going, just, they absolutely like lose it, and nothing is happening. And so Elijah says, okay, my turn. And this goes on for like a, a day. And Elijah goes, okay, my turn. And he draws, he says, come here. Draws the people, y'all come here, I want y'all to see this. I want y'all to see who the real God is. So he sets up his, his altar, and he puts these stones there, and he puts a sacrifice on there. He digs a trench around it, and this trench was like not a, like a little trench. I mean, it was a big trench. It, it could hold something, and he puts this trench around, and he puts wood on it. Now, remember I told you that they were praying for rain, right? So there was a drought going on. And one of the things Elijah says, I don't want this to be seen as a fluke because of the drought. I want you guys to see the hand of God. So he goes and goes, hey, go fill up some water jars and pull, bring the water jars back and pour it over the altar. So they go back and they, they grab these water jars and they pour them over the altar. And the water goes and soaks the wood and the sacrifice and, and starts to do this. And he says, do this. He basically had them do it three times. And so imagine this. Anybody ever try to start uh, a fire with wet wood? Is it fun? Is it easy? Does it ever start? So not, we're not just talking damp wood. I'm talking drenched wood. I mean, he's pouring like water, like jars of water on this thing. And it's like in this trench and it's like, over, like overflowing with water. And he wanted no doubt for people not to even think that it could be anything other than the hand of God coming down. And so he sent, he, and then he gets to this point. He says, okay, everything's drenched. We're good. Now I want you to see who my God is. And so he goes and he prays to God. 
And he doesn't do this crazy stuff of cutting. He doesn't do this other crazy stuff of, of dancing, nothing. He simply goes and he calls out to his God in prayer. And he goes, I want them to see who you are, God. I want you to be revealed to your people. So he says, he prays, he prays this prayer, now come, consume this fire. And out of heaven, fire comes down. And the altar, the, the, the sacrifice gets burned up. The wood gets burned up. And every bit of water around this altar, Scripture says it gets lapped up. It goes away. And at that point, the people turn towards God. They make a choice to turn towards God. And then Elijah says this, and seeing this is the valley that's so important in this picture. See that as we go down the hill, and you go down below the tree line there, there's a, there's a valley there. And in order to get rid of what needs to be getting rid of, Elijah takes these priests of Baal, and he takes them down there, and he kills them. All 450. And he didn't want them left around. He didn't want them to be there. He's like, this, this type of distraction, this type of peace cannot be around God's people. And so he went into extreme measures to get rid of something that was distracting God's people from serving him. And so we see in this story something amazing that takes place. Now here's the thing that's so, why I love this story. It's not necessarily Elijah's sarcasm. But you got to admit, that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was Elijah's faith. It was his faith in believing that what God told him to do, he would also fulfill. Now, in our lives, there's something God has called us to. And if, you, and if you're like, Chad, I, I don't know if that's true. No, it is. You ready? If you're a parent, if you're a dad, if you're a mom in this room, he's called you to be a godly parent, a godly dad, and a godly mom. If you're a grandparent in this room, he's called you to be a godly grandpa and a godly grandma. If you're an aunt or uncle in this room, he's called you to be a godly aunt or uncle. If you're a friend of somebody in this room, he's called you to be a godly friend. He's called you to something that's greater than what you can accomplish. There's a peace that God wants in your life and for your life that, bring, that will bring about his glory and his glory alone. If you're a student in this room and you go to school, and you show up at school, and, and, and you think that life is about homework and math and reading, and God, it's so much more. He's called you to be a godly kid. He's called you to be a godly um, student. And in this particular calling that he has on your life, there's only one way that it can be accomplished. One way. And Elijah points to it at the very beginning of this, this story. And he says this, choose this day who you will serve. And in and, and 1 Kings 18 to 21, it reads this. 
And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? How long will we be all sold out for Christ? One day. And all on the next day, questioning our faith and doubting whether God loves us. How long will we go on all out for Jesus one day? And the next day, ah, I'm in a rut. I'm going to go do this, and this is more important. I'm going to serve this God, and I don't even realize it is a God, but I'm going to go serve it because that's more important right now. And yet Elijah says something very interesting here. He goes, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. And I want us to look at this particular point of this story, and I want us to see the importance of us being decisive in who we will follow. If we want to be bold, we need to be bold in who we choose to follow, plain and simple. We cannot follow Jesus half-heartedly. We cannot follow after Jesus with one foot in and one foot out. Here's what I know to be true about any relationship. If in any relationship you have, if you're one foot in and one foot out, then you're all the way out. If you're one foot in trying to figure out what to do in an in in, in employment and one foot out, I guarantee you that employment will not work out well. You'll be miserable. You'll be discontent. You'll be trying to figure out what's best. You'll be trying to figure out what's next. You, if you're one foot in and one foot out, I promise you in that particular area of passivity in your life, you will be miserable. It is not until you go all in in something that you see something happen, that something changes within you. And the same is true with our walk with Jesus. And so today we choose who are we going to follow. If it's God, let's follow him with everything. If it's God, let's not worry about where the next place Light Point Church lands. Let's just trust that he'll bring it up. He'll reveal it to us. Let's not worry about all these other things and, 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 and how all this other stuff that could distract us. Let's stop worrying about it. And let's just say, today I'm going to choose to follow Jesus because that's what he's called me to do. See, we don't have to get caught up in all the, the junk that distracts us from doing what he's called us to do because he's called Light Point Church to do something very simple. Make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And anytime we get caught up in anything else other than making disciples that live and love like Jesus, we're not hitting the mark that he's made for us. And we can get caught up in so much. Who will we choose to, to follow? Because here's what I know. What we think are the masses... What we think are the masses aren't necessarily the masses. They're just the loudest. And sometimes we got to be willing to tell the louder ones to calm down a little bit. But for us, for you, 
when we look at this story and we look at what Elijah started off with in the midst of our drought, in the midst of wondering what's next, in the midst of not necessarily uh, walking with God, we have to make a choice. Every day. This is not like a choice I make today and then I'm good. This is like a choice I got to make daily. Today I'm going to be all in. When I love one of our elders always tells me before he hits his feet, hit the floor, he gives his life to Christ. Not dedicates the day to Christ. Goes all in for Christ. And I love that. And, and, the, and the piece in this is that this, we're choosing each day who we're going to follow. We're all in. We're not one foot in and one foot out. I promise you, if you're waiting for God to do something amazing in your life, and you're one foot in and one foot out, I promise you, you'll never see it happen. But when you go all in, and you put both feet in and you just trust Him, He'll take you through a series of, a series of doubts and uh, struggles, but He'll bring you to a point where He reveals how amazing He is. And first, and going on, First Kings eighteen to twenty four, Elijah goes on. He says this, and you, you call, and he tells Baal, you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God, and all the people answered, "It is well spoken." Here's people who doubted that there was a God. Here's people who weren't understanding that there is a God. Here's, here's the people that were questioning and just didn't have it. The way they just couldn't make a choice. They were being passive in who they were choosing to follow. And they were jumping back and forth. And at this particular call, Elijah was able to bring it out. And because he says, listen, let's do this and watch what happens. And based off of this, we'll know who's God. So one, we, we got to choose who we're going to follow and be decisive in it. There's no room for passivity. There's only a room for being decisive and going all in. 1 Kings 18, 26 to um, 29, read this. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. So to give you an idea that this was going on, that's how long it went. Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud for... He, um, he is a God, either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. See, the masses were trying to figure it out. These 450 priests were trying to figure out. They were trying. They, they, they just were going after the wrong thing. And they were doing everything in the, to make it work. And I think in our lives, sometimes we go after the wrong thing. And we just keep trying to make things work that aren't going to work. And we go to extremes of trying to, to make ourselves feel better. We go to extremes of trying to make things come together. We go to these extremes in life of just trying to understand stuff and understand life. And then here we see that what happens is, is these people were going after a God to bring rain, to bring an answer to a prayer. And they were going after false god and in our world we go after so many false gods to help us feel better about life 
Now, I love sports. I do. It's a great way to connect with people. I mean, I, I get to coach kindergartners through second grades, and it's, it's wonderful. And we, I mean, I, it, I love sports. But sports don't make me happy. I cannot allow sports to be my God. They do a lot of good things for people, but the minute I turn and start worshiping this and the minute I start cheering for the team on the field more than I praise my God, there's an issue. I love my wife, but the minute I put my wife on a pedestal and start worshiping her and start living for her, I miss the point of what God has called me to be as a husband. I love my kids. The minute I start worshiping my kids and life becomes all about my kids, I've missed the point of what he's called me to be as a father. I love this church. I love everyone here. The minute I start worshiping Light Point Church rather than the God who's blessed us with this church, I've missed the point of being a pastor. The masses will tell us to look for everything around us to get fulfilled. The masses will tell us to look everywhere around us to find something to fill the void. The masses will tell me to go anywhere and everywhere other than God to say, here's where I need to be. The masses will tell me to chase after everything that's meaningless. But the very few will tell me to simply choose to follow God. And in this piece, we, we need to, as we look at this story and we look at what happens here, there was a lot of screaming and a lot of, a lot of praying and a lot of, a lot of crying out that went on by the priest of Baal. And it would have been very easy for people to get caught up in the emotion of it and to get drawn into it because that's how human nature works. And so I say this to say that I believe that one of the things we can pull from this is we've got to learn to avoid the masses. We've got to learn to avoid the masses and stay true to the calling that God has in our lives. The third thing today is this, 1 Kings 18 to 30, 35 to 38 reads this. And, and I want to be very clear because I think I talk about this a lot, but I don't think it can be stressed enough. I think it's one of those things we need constant reminders of. And it has to do with who we choose to trust or what we choose to trust. It has to do with our faith. And our faith that comes in here for that a, a confidence in that who God is and that we can continue to walk in him and continue to follow him and that he'll meet us no matter if we're going through a drought in life or whether we're prospering in life. A faith that he will always be there, that he'll meet us where we're at. And we see in this particular story how Elijah had a faith like no other. Now just to show of hands, if we were to get a fire up here, David has a couch in his backyard that he wants to burn. <laughs> and if I were to bring this couch up here after it's rained all week, and we didn't use gasoline, David, and we poured water and water upon it, I don't believe we could get it started. 
And if we were to sit there and pray and ask God to come and consume it, if he so chose, he could. I don't know why he would, but I'm sure there's, you know, whatever. But I want us to see Elijah's faith. He took something that was dry, that could have been easily started, that easily set a fire, the set ablaze, and he chose to pour water on it. He chose to make it almost impossible to set on fire. And he put complete trust in his God to show the people who he was. And we see it in 1 Kings 18, 35 to 38. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. Now I want you to hear this prayer. This prayer wasn't, God, let everyone know who I am. The first thing he says is, let it be known who you are. Let it be known that you are God. Let it be known that you're the God in heaven, that you're the real God. O Lord, God of Abraham and Isaac, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. And he goes, answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people, listen, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And at that minute, no cutting, no screaming, no dancing, no obnoxiousness. No loudness, just a prayer of God, let, your, let you be known to these people. And at that point, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. If we want to be bold in our choices, we have to learn to put our complete trust in God doesn't matter how impossible something seems. It doesn't matter how difficult something seems. It doesn't matter how much I can logically work my brain around it to tell you every reason why it cannot work and why it shouldn't work. I have to sit there and say, when God's called me to it, I have to trust that he'll give me exactly what he needs to do in order to make it happen. I have to put complete trust in God. Now, let me be very clear about this. Complete trust in God does not mean that there won't be a little piece of doubt here. Did you know that it takes doubt in order for trust to happen? If I don't doubt, then trust doesn't come about. There's no conflict there. Zero. So don't look at the doubting as bad. Look at the doubting as I get a chance to make a bold choice who I will trust. It's okay to wonder if this is going to work out. It's okay to wonder if I'm going to fail. It's okay to have these doubts. Like, don't, don't run from them. But in the midst of those doubts, choose who you're going to follow. In the midst of those doubts, choose who you're going to trust. If I don't have an opportunity to doubt, then I don't have the opportunity to trust. I'm just living. And so in the midst of all of this, 
put complete trust in the Lord. And so no matter what it looks like, no matter what you think is going on, no matter what's taking place, put complete trust in the Lord. And lastly, this is extreme, and not all of us are ready to do this. Not all of us are ready to do this. If we're going to completely go after God, completely give our lives to him and follow him, then we have to be willing to address the distractors in our lives. The distractors are people who draw us away from God. The distractors are the the things that draw us away from God. The distractors are the things that capture us and draw our attention away from God. The distractors are the things that get in the way of us truly following God. And we see it in here what Elijah was willing to do. Now, before I read this, let me be very clear. This is not me giving you permission to go kill anybody. (laughs) Seeing if y'all are still paying attention. But what I am doing is saying this. This is giving you the permission to be extreme in how you go about getting rid of distractors. It goes on to say this in 1 Kings 18 to 40. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. You know why he said let not one of them escape? Because if you hold on, if one little one exists, guess what he can go do? He can go build another mass and bring about more distraction. He said, don't let any of them get away. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. He got rid of them. Here's what I know to be true. There are some things in our lives, distractors that we need to take extreme measures to get rid of. There are things that capture our attention, that pull us away from God, that we need to be bold enough and make a bold choice enough to get rid of them. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that is, who that is in your life. But in order for you to truly follow after God, And to go all in with God and to completely trust him, there may be some extreme measures that he's calling you to that you need to be willing to make a bold choice about and say that I'm done. I don't want any part of this. I've made this a God and I need to kill it. Get rid of it. In the midst of doing that, what happens is this. As I get rid of the distractions, my heart turns towards God. And I get to see him do some amazing things in my life because I put all my trust in him. I'm not one foot in, one foot out. I'm not passive about my faith. I'm not passive about following him. But I turn towards him and I follow him with everything. And in the midst of doubting whether he'll show up, in the midst of doubting whether he's got me, I still choose to trust. In the midst of all that goes on, in the midst of drought in my life, in the midst of, of, of all the things that could go wrong, I choose to trust. I was awoken 2 a.m. this morning to a noise in our home. 
quickly learning that our furnace, is, something's going wrong with it. Woke my wife up too. So we had a conversation. And we know it was coming, 15 years old. In the midst of all of this, ready? Doesn't matter. I can get caught up in how we're going to fix it and all this other, right? I can get caught up in all of that. Or I can say, and it wasn't until this point, says, God, I know you've got me, and I know you'll help me figure it out. And all of a sudden, I went to sleep. See, in the midst of him and choosing to trust him in the midst of all of it is when the peace comes. And it's okay. He's got this. But if I don't choose to trust him, I'll never see it. And if I don't choose boldly to follow him, I'll sit day in and day out wondering who he is. So my question today is, who are you going to choose to follow? Choose this day. If the God that sent his son Jesus down here on earth to die for your sins is the real God, choose to follow him. By the way, you don't have to have all the answers logically. He'll show you the answers as you follow. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and praise you. Lord, thank you for the story of Elijah and how he showed us an image, a picture. He lived a life, God, of a man that... that chose to follow you. And Lord, we can look at we can look at his life and see um, if we look at the whole story, we can see how he's a man that that would go into deep depressions, go deep into doubt. Yet in the midst of all of it, he would continue to choose you. And when he continued to choose you and he continued to make a bold choice to follow you, you showed up you revealed yourself to him, but, and, and Lord, not only just to him, but you revealed yourself to the people around him. Lord, my prayer is, Father, that today we would boldly choose to follow you. That we would boldly choose to follow you with all of our hearts. That we would not be one foot in and one foot out waiting to see what you do. That we would not be one foot out and one foot in waiting to see whether you're really real. That we would not put one foot in and one foot out trying to figure it all out. But Lord, today we would simply say, you know what, God, I'm going to choose to follow you. And I'm going to just pursue you. And I look forward to how you're going to show up. Lord, if there's distractors, let's get rid of them. Lord, if I, I doubt, let me choose trust. Lord, in all of this, Father, I pray that we would be decisive and choose to follow you. I lift up everyone in here, and I pray, Father, that we would make this choice, not only today, but tomorrow and every day after. I pray it would be all for your glory and your glory alone. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. If you don't know who Jesus is and you've never given your life to him completely, I want to invite you to do so.
I want you to invite you to, to this one point in your life where you can say, you know what? Today I'm going to choose to follow you, Jesus. I may not understand everything. I may not grasp everything. I may not get everything. But today I am going to choose to follow you with all my heart. And if that's you today, may I simply invite you into this prayer. And you can say it with me. You can say it quietly. Say it aloud. Father, today I give you my life. Lord, not one foot in, one foot out, but today I choose to give you my whole life. Lord, I invite you into my heart to change my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins and to cleanse me from all my stuff. Thank you for saving me. And today I believe in you and your power. And I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you chose to boldly say that prayer, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'll be up here and you can come talk to me. And Joyce and Rob will be over here. You can go talk to them. And if that's not your gig, that's fine. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do on your, your response card. Simply write, I gave my life to Christ today. And if that's you, boldly make a choice to go all in. So we can respond that way today. Another way we can respond is, is by taking communion and remembering that he gave his life for us. And we can go and take communion of that. We have our offering bins in the back, and you can choose to give um, in that way as well. If you've got a prayer request, you can give that as well. And lastly, if you just want to stand and sing as our team leads us, and then give praise to a God who is trustworthy. You respond how God leads.